All right, good morning. You guys doing well? I, I get intimidated to talk about wisdom because the assumption is, is that I have some. So, and I also, I also think it's funny, like, like when you're talking about humility, when you're talking about wisdom, they're, they're two topics that are often aren't talked about because I think we disqualify ourselves from the topics. Like it's not humble to talk about humility or if you're talking about wisdom, like then you have to be the wisest person in the room. I, I don't believe that I am. I just really believe that we could grasp, grasp uh, wisdom better in our lives. And I just want to kind of just share with you guys what I believe that the Lord has shown me over the years and, and has produced what you see in front of you. <laughs> now, I, I, I really, the, the older I get, it seems like the stakes get higher, like in this, in this Christian walk. Like you, you have children and you're, and you're married and, and you have responsibilities and, and there's people watching you. And you remember when Paul said, imitate me? What a thing to say. To put on yourself, it's like, hey, if you want to know what Jesus looks like in the flesh, look at me. And that, that blows me away. I don't think Paul had a pride issue. I think, he was, I think he was being genuine. And I believe that there's a place in this walk where we could all say that. I don't think we're doomed to failure. I don't think we're doomed to sin for the rest of our lives. I believe that, that as the Holy Spirit works in you, he's actually forming you in, into Jesus Christ himself. And that is the, the work of the Holy Spirit. So I wanted to just share with you guys some things that I have, I have seen in myself over the years. For a long time, I wasn't interested in wisdom. I was interested in my opinion. Wisdom's not an opinion about something. And if I could just, just share this with, with all of you, it's very easy to eat your own opinion and be satisfied on the fact that you have a point of view on something. And you might believe it's the right point of view, but does that point of view have any fruit in it? Is it, is it making your life better and, and the lives of those around you better? If it's not, it's probably not wisdom because wisdom actually gives life. And so for a lot of my, my years, I settled for, especially in my 20s, an opinion about what people should do and how life should work. And if you were to come and ask me, and I, I, I didn't understand this back then, why more people weren't asking my opinion on things. The reason why people weren't is because wisdom requires fruit, and I didn't have much fruit in my life. So I want to just, if I could just give everybody, just start off with a warning it's, it's very easy to remain in a low-level revelation of opinion and not rise to what it actually requires to carry wisdom. I, was, I meet with a, um, a 20s group, a mentoring group, and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. And if they're in the room, I apologize because we covered a lot of this this week. But it just got me so excited to just share this with you guys. I'm going to read the verse. It's Matthew 7:13. It says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is narrow and the way is constricted that leads to life. And there are few who find it. That, that's a verse. And, and oftentimes when we hear that verse, we say, yeah, that's about heaven and hell and, and Jesus. And Jesus is the narrow gate. And we start to pull different parables and we kind of put them like into this parable. Like, and everybody always does this, but when I talk about the wise and foolish builder, when you get to the end of the story, uh, there's a wise man who went and he built his house on the rock, and then there's a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the winds and the storm, it blew, and the guy with the foolish house blew over, and then the guy who built his house on the rock stood, and then you ask people, what does the rock mean? What do they say? Jesus. It doesn't mean Jesus. And it actually says, right in the beginning of the parable, 
Those who hear my word and do it are like a man who built his house on the rock. And what I want to tell everybody in this, in this room today is wisdom is not isolated to words. It's actually partnered with action. So the wisest person in the world doesn't know a lot. They do a lot. Wisdom is something that is executed. It's like a builder. It's somebody who knows how to build and actually builds it, not someone who just knows how to build. And I believe that's also like why Jesus is a carpenter. He's somebody who just doesn't know how to build. He actually builds it himself. And so I wanted to share that with you guys this morning see, because I don't want you to be satisfied on your opinion. And trust me, like you can have an opinion about the verse I just read. You could say, well, this is my opinion about what that verse means. This verse means that I'm on the narrow road and I'm, I have life because I'm a Christian and, 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 I'm, and I follow Jesus. And it's all those other people that are on the wide, broad path and they're all leading to destruction. And then what we do with the verse is we actually do what the verse says, is we make the verse easy. We make the verse in such a way that we're already achieving it. And so this is what I want to say, is if you're actually achieving all the, the teaching of Jesus, wow. You need to write the Bible 2.0, because that's pretty incredible. But what I explored with this group is that we were looking at this and, and that word life actually means zoe and it's actually the God-fulfilled life. And if your life is not fulfilled, if you don't have a fulfilling life, I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm saying this, maybe you're not on the narrow path. I would just want to say it again. If you don't have a fulfilling life in Christ and Christ isn't fulfilling to you, maybe you're not on the narrow path. And let me just remind you what the narrow path is. It's difficult. Do you lead a difficult life in which you're overcoming difficult decisions every day? Or are you taking the path of least resistance? And instead of having a fulfilled life, your life is actually being destroyed slowly and surely by you and your opinions. Or do you have wisdom and you don't just are a hearer of the word, but you're an actual doer of the word? Isn't wisdom exciting? And so I've, I've I, maybe you guys have noticed this, but I've become obsessed with humility. And I want to just talk to you guys about humility and how wisdom is, is, is in it. There was a, a point in my life where I didn't actually seek wisdom. I thought I had it because I had a lot of opinions. But as through the course of my, my 20s and 30s, I began to step back and look at my life. And this is so funny. Like when you're a young person, it feels like, well, the world is my oyster. And then you start to walk through life a bit. And you said, Where the, where's the pearl, baby? I thought this about myself. And it feels like I'm here. And then hopefully by God's grace, you humble yourself. And you begin to realize that you've had opinions and not wisdom. And then you actually go and search for wisdom. You don't have to wait till you're 40 to do it. Humility is, is, is one of the most important things we can engage in. And I'll repeat the verse to you, but he gives grace to the humble. That word grace is, is charis. It's kindness and favor. And, and sometimes when we're in this Christian walk, we can begin to feel like we're in a mature place. Like, I'm a mature Christian. Why are you a mature Christian? Because I've called myself one for 20 years. Well, that's, that doesn't mean you're a good one. 
It just means, you're, in your opinion, you happen to be one. There is, and, and Jesus talked about spiritual blindness. How many of you guys know that you can be a Christian and be spiritually blind? And not see what the Word is saying, and, you, and here's your life, and here's what the Word's saying, and, and you cannot see that you're not applying the Word to your life. You're actually blind, so you're frustrated and unfulfilled because you don't have eyes to actually see what the Word is saying. You can read it, yeah, yeah the, the, the narrow path, that's me, and the narrow gate, that's me, I'm a Christian, yeah. But you're, you're lacking the humility. You have an opinion about what, what, what the Scripture says instead of the Holy Spirit telling you what it means. And I could stand up here and I could actually be right, I'm not always right, but I could actually be right telling you and you actually can't hear what I'm saying. And then we talk about humility. And it really, it really gets me emotional. Because these are K-cups, I understand that, but let's just pretend these are individual scriptures and revelations. Oh, we'll just do it slowly at first. So let's just decide that I believe what the Bible says about prayer. That I actually believe Jesus is the bread of life. Right? So what do I do? I humble myself. Let's just say my hand is humility. How do I humble myself? Well, I decide... I decide that I'm actually going to pray every morning and spend time with God because he's the bread of life. And apart from him, there is no life. And all of a sudden, there's a revelation that's given to me. And then I benefit from the wisdom that I can actually see. What's the wisdom that Jesus is the bread of life? What happens? I, 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 I provided a platform through humility for him to place a revelation that's in scripture. And all of a sudden, it's now a part of my life. My sheep hear my voice, an enemy's voice they will not follow. Holy cow. If I was a, a two-verse Christian, this is extraordinary. I'm serious. This is extraordinary. You actually believe that there's an enemy. There's a point in my life where I didn't believe there was an enemy. Do you know what this enemy's doing? He's accusing you. He's accusing the brethren. He's actually talking down to you and about you. He says things that discourage you. And what do we do as Christians? We just let him do it most times. And we actually receive what he's saying. And we don't say anything. We don't humble ourselves before God and watch, watch him flee. Submit ourselves to the Lord and the devil will flee. Well, how do you do that? Well, there was a time in my life where, where the enemy used to, I mean, he used to beat this thing like a drum. This is what he used to say to me. He used to say, Adam, you're all alone and nobody cares about you. And he'd been telling me that since I was 10 years old. And you know when he would come and tell me that? At night, when I was in my bed, when I was all alone. Isn't he slick? And it was this little voice that would just come and say, Adam, you're all alone, nobody cares. You're all alone, nobody cares. And then all of a sudden, a close loved one dies. And he says, see, you're all alone. And everyone always leaves you eventually. You're all alone. You're all alone. And I remember as a teenager, I used to get drunk. And you know what I used to say to myself when I would get drunk? You're all alone. I'd actually say it out loud. And then all of a sudden, like I, like I began to develop a prayer life and I realized that the enemy, there was a voice of an enemy and he would say things. And I discovered that I'm actually not alone, but Jesus is with me and he'll never leave me nor forsake me. And all of a sudden, the depression that came with that voice, whew, gone. Well, why? Because when it would come, I would actually correct it. And I would say this, I'm not alone. 
I actually never have been. He loves me and he's never going to leave me nor forsake me. And the depression that came with that voice is now gone. And now because of humility, I have the wisdom of understanding whose voice I'm listening to. And all of a sudden, I have more abundant life. Do you guys get it? Do you want to keep going? Oh my goodness. What if I became a three-verse Christian? The battle isn't a battle against flesh and blood. (gasps) What now? It means this, that I'm not my problem, nor are people my problem. There's actually a demonic realm, and it's my problem, and I'm actually its adversary, right? And he's actually coming for me. And all of a sudden, people could say, they could say, Adam, your preaching stinks. And I could say, that's okay, right? Why am I not offended? Because it's, it has nothing to do with people. And then there's a, there's a revelation that, that, that people are only as loving as they are close to God. And that's according to 1 John. The reason why people sin is because they don't know him. So all sin comes up from a lack or a proximity of being close to the Lord. And so all of a sudden, you know, people could be flicking you off in traffic and you're just like, hey, (laughs) you know? And all of a sudden, nothing really bothers you. And now you don't have offense in your life or unforgiveness. And all of a sudden, there's more life in your life. Why? Because one day you decided that he's the bread of life and you actually humbled yourself and did what you should have done, which was pray. And now all of a sudden, these revelations have a place to sit in your life. Isn't that amazing? The Bible talks about the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Could you imagine being a four-verse Christian? And what that would actually do in your life? Where your goal is not to be served, but to serve in every context that you're in. So when you go home and, and you're, you're in a marriage, like your goal isn't to be served, but it is to serve. And all of a sudden you find yourself being promoted in your life to certain places that are first because he can trust you because you actually did what was required and you actually begin to serve in all the contexts that you're in. Isn't that cool? What if I became a 10-verse Christian? And I, but I actually did the verses. I didn't just know them or repeat them, but I actually did them, right? And then all of a sudden, like, man, if you're, if you're a 10-verse Christian, look out. Because you've got some stuff going on in your life that's pretty serious. And the reason why you're, like, it's wisdom is because you're doing it. You just don't know it. Every verse I said, you guys could probably quote. But it's not about quoting the verse. It's about living the verse and choosing humility and what the verse actually looks like. So the verse is, and I can see I can actually see these things and all of a sudden they're in my life. Now, this is where we get it wrong. Are you guys ready? These things that I'm seeing are by his grace, not by my maturity. The only reason I'm able to maintain them is because of my hands and my hands represent humility. And all of a sudden, this is what I've seen. If somebody believes that they're a mature Christian, you're not a mature Christian. You happen to choose humility, which provides the Lord a place to put his wisdom in you and you're actually able to see it. But the hands aren't just, it's not that I'm a humble person, it's that I choose humility and there's certain things that I do. And all of a sudden, I choose to not do that. I lose what I had because of humility. Those things that were given to me by grace are gone. I didn't maintain them by my maturity. I maintained them through humility. What if I decided that he wasn't the bread of life anymore? 
Maybe I wouldn't decide he's not the bread of life, but I just stopped practicing that he's the bread of life. What happens? You go spiritually blind and you can't see anything anymore. You know the verses, which is a very dangerous place to be. You think you, you have an opinion about the fact that you believe them, but you don't do them. And that's the most foolish thing that you could possibly be. I feel like I have a doctorate in foolishness from my 20s. So I do feel an expert to talk about. I, I am, I'm qualified to talk about foolishness. There's no problem there. Enter by the narrow gate. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by, who go by in it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Do you know what that does for me? That straightens me up. A few. How many of you would like to be the few who find it? Now, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about a fulfilled life while you're here. Fulfilled. Zo, a fulfilled God life while you're here. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many people choose it. The path of least resistance. You're like... Our, our entire society is based on the path of least resistance. If you want to make money... All you've got to do is set up a business around the path of least resistance and you will have crowds come. For example, like the, the healthy disciples things went up there. Did you notice that there's not too many healthy restaurants? Have you guys ever gone into a gas station and looked at the selection? Can I tell you what's, what's in there? There is um, candy, there's potato chips, there's, there's beer, there's soda, there's, there's all kinds of stuff. And in, a, in the midst of all of that, you could feel healthy because you didn't get the king-size peanut butter cups. You got the small peanut butter cups because you're a healthy disciple. There is one thing of carrots in that little cool section with a little cup of ranch. And you probably have to throw out the ranch. But I, I think the gas station is a good analogy for what the world has for you. The world has the easy way. The world has, has everything that leads to destruction. It's a mile wide and it's ready for you to come and receive it. You know, when I was a a young, uh, there's, there's, a certain, there's a certain way to progress quickly in wisdom. You, know, you don't have to wait 20 years to be wise. Like you, you can get there pretty rapidly. And I just wanted to just, just share a, a few things on, on how, to, how to do that, if that's okay, and what not to do. And so I have, I have eight things to share, and I'll, it'll probably take me a few weeks to get through them. But the first one is this. It's Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. See, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Do you know why? Because at the end of the day, he is the only thing that matters. It, he's it. Like, how many of you guys know that the only reason I'm not alone is actually because of the Lord? I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. I'm not guaranteed who my, who's coming with me into tomorrow. I'm not guaranteed that I'll be here tomorrow. 
But at the end of the day, the only thing that I leave this life with is a relationship with him or not. That's the beginning of wisdom. Because could you imagine if you got wrapped up in this life and didn't get wrapped up in him? Everything in this life is, is, is leaving one day. We talk about utter destruction. It's all going away. And to, to have the fear of the Lord, right? For, for, for you to fix your eyes, because that's what you do. You fix your eyes on what you fear. For you to fix your eyes on him and come to this conclusion. He's all I got. What would a life look like if that was the case? Do you think... Oh man, that's such a, let me get this verse ready. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added onto you. Holy moly. Could you imagine believing that verse? What a life would look like if you sought first the kingdom of heaven? Do you see how easy foolishness is? Well, what would foolishness be? is to actually kind of struggle to try to get all these things besides just going to the source who has all these things and seeking him first. Do you understand how, can everybody see how, do I have to keep doing this stuff? Do you see how easy foolishness is? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Do you guys know that verse? Do you do that verse? It's just so easy to get engaged in foolishness. Wisdom looks like something, so does humility. And if we could provide a platform of humility, then he could place wisdom on it. And then we could do wisdom. So fear, fear of the Lord. Do you know how the, there's actually a spirit of the fear of the Lord in Scripture? Isaiah 11 talks about it. And um, I remember the first time that I got, I, I encountered the, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. I've shared this story before. I was 11 years old. And do you guys know what I did? Do you know what the platform I provided God for when this happened and the fear of the Lord came upon me? This is, this is so simple. I wasn't reading a verse to get a donut at Sunday school because they used to give out donuts if you could memorize a verse. Um, I, I wasn't trying to do it to impress my parents because if I had my Bible open and they came and saw their good little boy reading the Bible. It wasn't because of that. It was actually in the morning time and there were Saturday morning cartoons and that was a, a, a wide path to destruction right out there on the television screen. But instead of waking up and just going and sitting down and getting a big bowl of cereal and watching Saturday morning cartoons, for those of you who are young, that's when the cartoons were on. <laughs> instead of doing that, I went over and I opened up my Good News Bible and I decided to read it. And as I was reading it, which was an act of humility, he placed the spirit of the fear of the Lord upon me. And it shook me to my core. And I've, I've always had this, it, it's almost like a, a seriousness that was there. Even in the midst of my foolishness, there was still a seriousness around the fact that one day I'm going to stand before him. And it's not just going to be me that stands before him, but it's going to be my life as a testimony and witness of whether or not I believed who he said he was. How many of you would like a life that looks like you believed him? Or at least some of the verses. I'm telling you guys, the easiest thing we could do is dismiss our life choices and say, I believe this book. Meanwhile, the two-verse Christian is rocking it. Rocking it. 
we need to calm down, calm down what we say about ourselves and start asking the question, if I believe it, what does it look like? And is it in my life? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who follow his commandments have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. So we don't want to just be doers of the word. We, we want to be, or I'm sorry, hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. And so to, the, the word Lord actually implies that you do what he says because he's Lord, not you. Now, please hear me. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about if in 2023 you added a K-cup to your belief system and you actually did what the verse said, I would stand up and applaud you. What's the easiest thing to do is to not, to not grow as a Christian. It's the easiest thing in the world to remain the same, to not advance, to continue to maintain, to not add more humility to your life in which you can receive more revelation, to stay a, a spiritual winker, not able to fully see what Scripture says. I, I, and I, I just, I just told, I said, I'm, I'm starting to sound like a crotchety old man, so please forgive me as I get older. The older I get, the more careful I want to be, especially around that revelation of maturity. It's not me that's mature, it's that I provide actions that are humble for him to place revelation that I can see and act upon. If it's not me in a mature place, you might say, well, are you saying that there's no maturity? No, there are people that, that, that humble themselves in, in an incredible way that hold revelation. But it's not, it's not from a place of maturity. It's from a place of grace. And if they stop being humble, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. They'll lose the revelation that they see. And I see it happen all the time. And, and like, to be honest with you, it, it breaks my heart because you can't talk people out of what it is they see. They see something or they don't see it. And so when people become spiritually blind, good luck. You talk to somebody and say, hey, um, you know, like things are really bad, like in their life and they're making really poor, poor decisions. And I'm going to ask them, how's your prayer life? And they're going to say, well, it's not going too well, but it doesn't need to anymore. God loves me. Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's pretty easy. So God doesn't require anything of you anymore. He just loves you and he's not necessarily a Lord. He's more like your buddy. And you get to decide whether or not you're going to obey him or not. That's pretty convenient. I wonder why you can't see anymore the Lordship of Christ. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. There's, by the way, good job being here. Amen? Because there's something that you must believe that that you can actually conceive that this Christian walk isn't an individual thing. It actually requires a group of people. And I, I want to encourage everybody in this room. I want to encourage everyone to serve. I, I, I want to I get so wrapped up into a community that it'd be hard for me to shake you guys loose. I, I want to, not just, not just like serving, but like in a small group, like involved in ministry and, and just so tightly wound so that it'd be hard for me to go anywhere. Or if I started to become spiritually blind, somebody would just slap me. Say, hey, wake up. The second thing is, um, 
pursue correction. But I don't have time to talk about it. Guys, this might be an eight-part series. Let me just finish with this. Have you guys ever known a mature Christian that went off the rails? Just raise your hand. Were they mature? You might say, well, no, because they, no, they, they, they probably had a genuine track record, a genuine relationship with God, and they were, they, were, they were genuine. But it's not your maturity that holds on to how you live. It's actually humility. And all someone has to do is let go of humility, and they let go of their ability to see what the gospel says. And so I, I don't take offense to anybody that falls off the rails. I, like, I feel for them. You know, and, and, you, and you pray for them and you do your best to like, love them and, and, and try to help them to see again. But do you know what that makes me want to do? Be careful. And I've like, like it's so funny because like, I, if I was young and I heard somebody tell me to be careful, I'd be like, you old crotchety man. You be careful. Don't hurt yourself jumping off the stage, right? And I don't jump off the stage anymore. I walk down these steps. I used to land no problem. But I, I wish like, it, it's so funny because like be careful is never a rally cry. Like when I said be careful, like there was no clapping, right? But do you mind if we just try it once? Be careful. Be careful. Be, you know what I mean? It's not that fun. But do you know what? It's the best kind of protection. Because like, here's, here's what people do. It's like, hey, I'm walking on a cliff. That's death. Path is life. Right? So what do I do? I'm going to be careful. And when you realize that destruction is there, then you're what? Going to be careful. And guess what's going to happen? You're not going to die. But if, if you listen to people that say there's no cliff, everything's fine. You're good to go. God loves you just the way you are, and he does, but he doesn't trust you just the way you are, right? All of a sudden, you're just like, you know, and, and you, could, you could slip and fall, and it's the people that don't think they could slip that slip. It's so easy to stay on the path when you realize there's a cliff on the one side. You know what you'll do? You'll probably stay a little bit tighter on the right. When a thief comes and steals something out of your home, it's very hard to catch him unless you know the time when he's going to show up. Then it's the easiest thing in the world. But if I'm telling you, be careful. If I'm, right? Yeah. Gosh, you guys are excited. If I'm telling you to be careful, that's the surefire way that you're going to be if you actually believe what it is I'm saying. If you can see it. Like, oh yeah. Like there, there's a, a lot of things in here that are around be careful. And oftentimes people don't preach it because people don't want to hear it because it's narrow path stuff. People love hearing wide path stuff because then they don't have to make an adjustment. I want to say that again. Most people don't want to hear narrow path stuff because then they have to make an adjustment. Most people get more excited about wide path stuff because it doesn't require anything of them to change because they already believe that they are who they're supposed to be. But who's God's going to make you by the end of this thing is going to be absolutely incredible. But it's a narrow path and it's, and it's, and it's difficult. 
But if you know it's difficult going into it, I bet you'll be more prepared to do it. And I bet you if I told you, be careful, there's a cliff, you'll be really, really sure to be on the right side, not on the left where the cliff is. Amen? So we're just going to just try it one more time. So just be careful. Doesn't that feel good? You guys are so cautious. I love it. There's uh, just three things that I want to just finish by saying. In the lobby, there's love life. Um, I don't know if you guys knew this, that abortions have actually gone up in Pennsylvania. Did you guys know that? I know that many people think, well, Roe versus Wade got passed. So it's, well, now people are coming in from out of state to come and get abortions in Pennsylvania. And uh, so we have a Love Life Sunday that's coming up. And we're actually going to, um, when the abortion center in York is, is closed on a Saturday, we're actually going to do a prayer walk around that as a church. And uh, I want to invite you to that. You might say, well, what can I do? Well, you can just walk and pray with us. Um, and, and we're just going to pray that God would intervene uh, of the hearts of the individuals there, and, 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 we'll, and we'll see what happens. But uh, so there's, if you have questions about that, there's signups out there. Also, the kids, Kayo, Tanya's going to be out there. And also, there it is, the Power and Authority Conference that's coming up. Or the, um, that will be actually, uh, Melissa will be in the lobby for that. So if you guys have any questions, uh, please feel free to go out there. But let's pray. So Father, I just, I just thank you for, to the degree that we can see, and, and there's a place where we could all just see more, and uh, that requires uh, an action of humility uh, for us to kind of, for you to place that wisdom into our life that we're not currently engaging in. And Lord, we, we, we're, we're a church, we, we don't mind hearing hard things, um, and, and we want to be challenged, and we want to take a difficult path that leads to life. And Lord, you really know how to challenge and convict us. Holy Spirit, would you challenge and convict everybody in this room to be with you? Would you, would you convict, convict us that you are the bread of life and there's not life outside of you? We thank you for this body. We thank you for all the ministry that's being done here. Lord, let us get wrapped up in serving you while we can. We just praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys.